Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings. This is the Anthony Harris episode. He was a six-year-long Minnesota Viking that departed for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, this offseason. We're going to chat with him tonight about all things Vikings. Um, Then we also have Sally from Minneapolis on the show, Ron, and Bryant McKinney, Super Bowl champion, former Viking. And we have Matt from last week, who is going to join us once again for this Anthony Harris Endeavor. So first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Anthony Harris, welcome to the show, sir. Um, we we already miss you. I'm going to get that out there. You now will play for the Philadelphia Eagles, and our crew here has a series of questions. So I'm going to kick things off. Um I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start on a sour note for Vikings fans. So uh, I was at the game, uh, the Seattle Seahawks game in the 2015 season. I believe it was your first playoff game of your career. And I am curious, because that was your first playoff game, when we lost in heartbreaking fashion, was it a situation where, you know, because you were a rookie, it just kind of rolled off your shoulders and we'll get them next time? Or was it devastating like it was for the rest of us? Um, I think anytime you, you take a loss, particularly right there in the playoffs, um, you know, you're striving hard. You got good hopes of, you know, trying to make a Super Bowl run. It's heartbreaking. Um, but I think early on rookie year, you don't quite understand, um, you know, that tough rivalry and that edginess uh, when facing Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, feel about losing to that team and particularly um, it's tough. Um, so from that moment on, missing the field goal, I was just feeling sorry that, you know, we weren't able to pull it out and forward. It was just, that was the expectation of, you know, being a good team and making it to the playoffs. Okay. What about the cold? Was that, was that about brutality, that cold for you? I think it was, it was part of the dream. Um, you know, you dream about playing in the NFL, those cold games, uh, crazy, you know, seeing uh, the coldness and the mist from their breasts because of the temperature in the stadium. I think that's part of, you know, um, what kids dream about or what at least what I dreamed about. So yeah. being great at the time and, and just exciting opportunity. Okay. Ron, what do you got for Anthony? So, you know, we all can know your story um, coming as an undrafted guy. Well, probably injuries led to that rather than being drafted higher than our, 
you know, that you would have thought. Um, but being an undrafted free agent has some perks is kind of, you get to choose your destination, um, and kind of feel things out. So what were the ultimate factors that led you to signing with the Vikings? And then, um, and as, as a second part of that, with your tenure here, what are some of the things that you really enjoyed? And then what are the, some of the things that you're going to miss? Yeah, for me, my journey as an undrafted free agent, um, it was really just about, um, getting back healthy um, throughout the draft process. I did a lot of time talking with a number of teams, Minnesota being one of them um, and being kind of the front runner in terms of showing a lot of interest with speaking with them at the combine, getting into their official uh, official visit room. And then also, you know, taking an official visit on their top 30, I believe it was at the time of prospects that they were looking at to Minnesota. So I think just, connecting with the team, having a number of conversations, uh, filling out the staff, kind of taking a look at the roster, how it was structured. And then in terms of coaching, I felt like that was the best fit for me coming at the time. Okay. Bryant, is that what you did during free agency that led you to the Ravens? Did you get to survey the lay of the land? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I wanted to see where I fit well at, um, if it made sense, and if they had potential to um, have a good playoff run. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so very exciting times, uh, you know, being there. I think, you know, looking back on my year spent in Minnesota, uh, it was a great atmosphere. Um, the locker room was great. The organization was great. Um, I think just being in there, sharing the bond, building a relationship with guys in that locker room for six years um, held a very special place in my heart. Um, so it's something that, I, you know, I, I'll greatly miss. Um, I'm grateful that that's part of, you know, my experience and my journey. Um, and from now it's just, you know, looking forward to the future, just trying to take it one step at a time and continue to further my career. Excellent. Uh, Matt, you're up. Hey, Anthony. Um, sorry, I gotta start out with a, a long and hard question. So, <laughs> you know, bear with me. It took me a minute to come up with it and it'll probably take me longer to even say it. Uh, 2020, we all know was a hard year for us. Um, well, you guys, um, the defense, you know, experienced a lot of turnover. There was a lot of players on the defense who, you know, we got rookies or guys who, you know, just weren't used to being in those positions. You know, we were missing guys, you know, didn't have Pierce and we didn't have Hunter. Um, so from a fan's point of view, we have a very limited point of view of what we can actually see about what happens on the field. And, you know, we don't get the, the, the video, the, the stuff that you guys can review um, and look at a second time. Um, with all the factors going on in the field as they were, is it hard to like free roam around the field to make plays? Um, or, you know, is that more or less something that just comes with, you know, just being in the right place at the right time, you know, luck, film, um, and were you not able to do that as much because you were having to, you know, I don't want to say babysit, but you had to cover for the new guys um, and helping them out because, you know, they just didn't have time to get acclimated to the system. They were basically pushed right in. So can you tell us what that was like, you know, from a player's point of view? Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a lot of turnover, um, whether that's guys transitioning to free agency, uh, injuries, um, getting players in, uh, playing as rookies or veterans, uh, it takes time to build. You know, it takes time to get that chemistry, that development, um, understanding how each person sees it and being on the same page. So 
I think in terms of just last year in general, it was a very unique year um, for everyone involved in the situation as player all the way up into the coaching staff. Um, I think just dealing with COVID, not having time to really gel in the offseason, um, as well as, you know, dealing with COVID protocols during the season, um, trying to get prepared for the games week in and week out. It was a challenge. So um, just starting there, I think any team is going to be a tougher challenge. I mean, we all kind of have to go through it. Some teams, it may vary just based off of COVID incidences popping up, but um, being on the field, being a safety, that's part of your job is just trying to um, do your job while also, you know, making sure you're able to kind of cover for other people as well. Um, and just, you know, being able to roam in that sense. But when you don't have those players with experience, um, it's not just the players knowing, knowing themselves and knowing the defense, um, but it's also knowing, you know, how offenses are going to attack us. So anytime you have young, younger players and or players that's not familiar, whether it's a 10 year veteran, just being on a new organization and a new staff, there's going to be some challenges. Um, and week to week, you try to just build off of those and continue to take steps and learn from mistakes um, and, and things that you've done in the previous weeks. So um, it was a challenge, but not just a challenge for myself, a challenge for everyone, um, a challenge that I walked into and accepted. So um, that's part of the game is just, you know, taking what you have, getting prepared week to week, and then just going out trying to play your best ball and then move on to the next week once that's over. All right, Sally, you're up. Um, okay, so I'm going to go back to the draft for a second um, since Ron touched on that. Um, I am curious with you, you know, you were projected anywhere from a second round pick to at one point to a seventh round. What were those three days like for you with all of the uncertainty and, you know, just waiting for your name to be called? Um, and then obviously when it all wrapped and you're hearing from some of the analysts that you were the best player that wasn't selected, um, how do you go forward with that? And do you ever have like a chip on your shoulder that you were overlooked? Um, I would say going into that process, um, you know, just trying to be prepared, just hoping for the best of being prepared and prepare for the worst. Um, that way it's not too much of a shock and not too much of unexpected. Um, just belief in myself, knowing my abilities and knowing my talents. Um, I was excited and, and looking forward for the opportunity of hearing my name being called um, and just getting to play, just getting the opportunity to play in the NFL. So, I mean, when it didn't come in the form of, you know, kind of which I expected or hoped it, it was just, you know, where do I go from here? Um, and from that point on, it was just getting on a roster, uh, becoming healthy, getting my body back to where I know it could be, and then just returning to my level of play, um, in which I feel I could just hard work, and preparing my body, whether that was technique, physicality, um, I could get back to where I thought I would be in terms of a player. So for me, it was just, you know, not so much trying to prove people wrong, um, but really just proving myself right, uh, proving all the people that believed in me and and know my capabilities that I am that person and I am that player. So from there, it was just getting to work and taking advantage of every, every opportunity I had. Um, you know, probably would have liked it to come a little bit sooner at times, but, you know, ultimately just trying to remain that team player, um, always trying to find a way to help the team out, whether it was special teams early in my career, being prepared as a practice squad player for the game plan in case, you know, I magically got pulled up 
that I'd be ready to go. So that was just a trend for me is just be prepared for the opportunity. Um, so I'd be able to show people my talents and the ability that I have that's there. Bryant, I'm gonna in a minute. I'm gonna ask Anthony about playing for a defensive uh, defense first head coach in Mike Zimmer. But I want to ask you: most of your career um, was played under some sort of offensive minded head coach, whether it was Tice or uh, Childress, and varying degrees of success. Um, how 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 beneficial was it to you, sir, to play for an offense focused coach? I mean, I was on offense, so I mean, I loved it. Um, and as you know, my time at the Vikings. Our offense was, you know, when I first got there, we were like one and two in the league. It's just mm-hmm. our defense was 30. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it was kind um, of the so, it was kind of the opposite yeah. for Anthony when he got to the Vikings, uh, because the the defense was just really starting to cook and Zimmer was hitting his stride as a head coach. Mm. So um Anthony, in terms of uh, playing for a defense, you know, first coach. It's kind. It's not a dying breed in the NFL, but it's certainly not as sexy as the offensive-minded head coach, whether it is McVay in Los Angeles or Shanahan in San Francisco. Everybody wants this offensive head coach, and here we are with the old captain defense. So what were some of the things you enjoyed about playing for Mike Zimmer? I mean, as a defensive player, um, it, it was great, um, you know, just having that tough, edgy mindset, you know, offenses sometimes can be kind of known for more finesse, um, even though there are some that, you know, that'll bruise you up and, and very physical in terms of the run game defensively just has to, has to be played that way. Um, you know, it has to be controlled at the line of scrimmage. Um, it has to be physical in terms of, you know, punishing receivers or, um, ball carriers once they have the ball. So just having that mentality be pushed every day, um, as a defensive player um, or as a player in general, um, I just think it's something that, you know, I drew to a lot and that I I liked. Um, But I think, you know, fans like the offense, um, (laughs) those high scoring, those high scoring games and the flair. But at some point, you know, somebody's going to have to get a stop in terms of, you know, determining the fate of the game or else it's just the last person with the ball uh, wins. Um, So for me, being under a defensive head coach was great. Was, was, I want to say we do like you picking off Mitch Trubisky a lot too. So don't <laughs> you need to give yourself credit for that. And Russ Wilson too. Don't forget that. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, money. yeah, Russ, yeah. Trubisky was just the two in one game, right? So is uh, is is Zimmer as hard on his offense and offensive players as he is his defense? Because we all consider defense his baby. Um, I mean, he expects, he expects, you know, the best, um, high level of play. So where he sees he can, you know, speak up and, and coach up guys, he, he does it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes it, it often gets construed that he's just being tough on a defense. Um, <laughs> but he's getting after people. I mean, he, at the end of the day, you have to score points to win. So that's something that, you know, he preaches is scoring points, taking care of the ball and, uh, defensively, you know, the ball over and keeping people from scoring. Yeah, we can see how nauseated he he gets after turnovers, and we feel the same way at home or in the stands. So we're with him. All right, Ron, back to you for Anthony Harris. Um, so yeah, like I actually kind of switched my questions up, so I apologize for that. But um, anyway, so a lot of Vikings fans, you know, seeing you and Harrison Smith next to each other, like you know, it's going to be a different not seeing that this year because we finally had some stability on the back end. So well. Uh, um, while we're going to miss you, what are some things that led you to your decision to signing with the Eagles? And then on a side note to that, have you played rock, paper, scissors with your coach yet? 
<laughs> nah, I haven't played rock, paper, scissors. But for me, um, I think, you know, spending a number of years in Minnesota, um, kind of just working my way up each year, proving myself and, you know, everything was going on in the world, whether it's COVID, uh, whether it's social justice, I think it was, you know, something that you really settled in and everybody became more aware of, you know, what's going on, being more uh, focused on, you know, what their families are doing, are their families okay? So for me, putting it in perspective, spending time at home in isolation with my family leading up to the season, this past season, um, I kind of had to come back to reality a bit in terms of I've been living my dream for six years. Um, part of my dream was making it to the NFL, having a longstanding career, um, being able to financially take care of my family. Um, but part of it also was, you know, wanting that dream of being able to play out my entire career with one organization. Um, so I think this past year I had to reach a point where I kind of had to decide um, whether it was, you know, trying to remain in Minnesota where I really enjoyed the locker room, really enjoyed the city, the people there, the community and the organization, um, but also trying to make the best decision um, for not only just myself, but for my family as well. So in balancing those two out and trying to find the best fit for me, um, I decided that it was uh, best to, you know, move on and, and go to Philadelphia where I could be closer to my family. My family would be able to travel to more games um, once the stadiums and things opened up and I'd get to spend a little bit more time with them as well as just trying to make this situation best. It's got to be nice too that, you know, even though it was after you signed, but Eric Wilson, you know, a teammate here to joining you out there, that's got to be a nice little transition. Uh, but my question for Brian, I guess, as far as um, when choosing a team in free agency and kind of making that transition, I guess, what are some words of advice that you can give Anthony in that like transitioning from an everyday starter on one team and then going and having to fit into a new locker room? What would you uh, kind of give him as word of, words of advice there? Um, I mean, when I came in, I, like, I, like I said, I kind of scouted out the team prior to me going there, regardless of what Ray Lewis wanted. And um, <laughs> I tried to make sure I could fit. And then I had another guy like Michael Orr who played left tackle, had a whole movie behind, you know, about that. But he was willing to move over to right tackle and let me come in and play left. So I had to make sure I ironed out all those things prior to going there. Um, I kind of went in there with my, my mindset was I'm going to come in here and play left tackle regardless so <laughs> I kind of went in there with the mindset of I'm I'm taking this job so that's pretty much what I did um and did it help you, know, you I, having team or either college teammates it, or it even Matt Burke on the offensive line did that help that was that the first transition? time yeah well definitely having Matt Burke because Matt Burke was there in Minnesota for the first um seven years of my career so that was my center so that was a big help and then this was my first time teaming back up with other Hurricanes. I never had another Hurricane on my team ever when I was with the Vikings. So having Ed Reed, who was actually my same year, um, who I won national championship with and teaming up with him and then Ray Lewis and a couple other guys there, it was just a big thing for me. Um, so I was definitely happy to be a part of that. So I was kind of familiar with some people there. I'm not sure if Anthony was or not, but being familiar with some people, because it's like you're like the new kid at the new school for the most part. And then you got to kind of get familiar. You might know some people there, you might not. You got to get familiar with everybody, their personality and kind of just fit in. And really at the end, they just do your job. You know what I'm saying? You're doing your job. There's nothing else they can really say to you. <laughs> um, okay. So um, Anthony, I am curious to touch on what we just discussed about free agency. Um, you were coming off of a great season 
and um, you were going to hit free agency and then you got a uh, franchise tag. So, and that happens pretty rarely to players since it only happens, um, you know, maybe to one player per team per year if they utilize it. So how did you adjust your mindset to, oh my gosh, now I'm not hitting free agency? Yeah, I think uh, that, that was a, that was a new challenge. Um, I think, you know, just how it kind of led up to that point, you know, just starting free agency um, as a rookie and each year proving myself to the roster and, and being ready and taking advantage of opportunities and, and trying to show um, value. Um, I think being able to hit free agency and finally feeling like um, a number of years of just hard work and dedication to the game um, and to the organization and to myself and family was um, right around the corner to paying off and, and kind of getting long-term financial security for myself and my family. And when that didn't come, um, I understood it. Uh, so part of me was just, you know, understanding the business um, and just trying to control what I could control. I think also to the time with, with COVID um, that was just, it seemed like a lot of uncertainty. Um, I think at one point it was even discussions on whether there would even be a season. So you kind of go from, you know, thinking that you're going to hit free agency and, and receive a long-term contract to receiving a franchise tag, which is a, a good portion of salary. But then to think you may not even receive that in terms of their season not happening. So um, kind of an emotional roller coaster. Um, on top on top of, you know, the social justice awareness um, that everybody was, you know, trying to help raise awareness for, including myself, of just trying to bring people together and bridge things and, and, and help people grow as well as continue to grow myself on and off the field. Um, I had to try to turn it back to football when it was time to play. So um, I was excited for the opportunity that I had in terms of, you know, being able to gain some security for my family and, and then moving forward from there is just getting on the field, trying to perform at a high level to continue towards that journey. All right, Matt, let's hear your next item for Anthony Harris tonight. Um, every area, you know, around the country is known for having unique food. You know, Rochester, New York, where I live, we're known for white hot dogs and garbage plates. If you've never had them, come up sometime. I'll, I'll take you out. Um, I know Minnesota has a hot dish. I know, you know, Philly obviously has a cheesesteak. Did you get a chance to try them both yet? You know, what are your thoughts, plans to? I know as an athlete, it's hard to shovel that kind of stuff in, into your system, but, you know, every now and then you got to treat yourself, right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big foodie. So whenever I, you know, a ton, tons of different types of food, um, if I'm in an area where it's known for a particular dish, you know, I, I tend to try and, you know, find a good spot and, and try it. So I've had the opportunity to do the Philly cheesesteaks and the hoagies um, in Minnesota. I wasn't able to uh, have the opportunity to do the hot dish, um, but I did have the opportunity to try. Um, I forget exactly what it's called when the cheese is like stuffed. Juicy in Lucy. Juicy Lucy. Yeah, <laughs> I've had I've had my fair share of those. Um, <laughs> did you have one were, at Matt's, the original Juicy Lucy? Or I've, okay. I've checked. And there's another there's another place that I checked out as well. I can't remember the name. I think it might have been the Nook or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've kind of I've kind of you know toured my toured and and did my share of Juicy Lucy hunting and tried them all. <laughs> what 
what, what's your favorite restaurant in the Twin Cities area? I mean, um, Manny, Manny's aside, because that's just on another level. But <laughs> yeah, um, now now that I'm not there as often, I kind of I'm okay with sharing a little bit because they're my favorite, so I try to squeeze in. But um, uh, Sushi Fix and Mazetta was one of my favorite in terms of sushi. Um, in terms of pasta, I used to like to go to Bala Grassa, but yep. I closed down due to COVID. Yeah, uh, they're doing takeout now at least. So it's back. Is okay. it open? Yeah, so you know you got to come back, Anthony, and play for the Vikings because they're back open. He's only on a one-year deal, so the future uh, <laughs> yeah. salary cap's going up next year. We're so. already scheming. We're already scheming. <laughs> Bryant, Bryant, you you played for the Vikings for a decade. What were your favorite spots in Minneapolis for food? I went to I went to Manny's. I went to Seven. Um, yeah, Seven was your spot. <laughs> yeah, Seven. It was called. Is it called Firestone or something like that? Is it Eden Prairie? Wildfire. Wildfire. Well, Wildfire. <laughs> we just and talked then Red about Stone. that last week. Red, Red Stone. That's Red Stone. Yeah. Red That's Stone what really good cornbread there. <laughs> yeah. Oh right. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was buffalo shrimp. Yeah, and the buffalo yeah. shrimp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those oh, are some yeah. places. Doing a lot of renovation in that cool. area right now, like right there. So Redstone's the only thing standing in that spot, and I don't know what's going up. Oh, okay. Anthony, what is your favorite place in Richmond to eat? My mom's. Oh, boom. Perfect answer. Well, there that you is, go. That's a good answer. Yeah. That, that could not have been played better. That was perfect. Right. Yeah. I mean, out. So, actually, when it comes to recommendations for restaurants in Richmond, I can't really help many people out. Um, <laughs> we did a ton of, mom did a ton of cooking, a um, ton of family gatherings. So, she kind of spoiled me, and I wasn't quite able to venture out as much back home. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Anthony, it's it's flashback to 2017. Um, the Vikings are 2-2. Two and two. Case Keenum from the quarterback's position brings the team back up momentum-wise. Dalvin Cook is lost for the year. Uh, we're starting to wonder if this is going to turn into one of those 8-8 eight and eight seasons or worse. Lo and behold, the 2017 Vikings defense is arguably the best that they've had since the Purple People Eaters, although the 1992 Vikings defense was damn good. Um, and then, lo and behold, we have one of the best years in team history, and uh, you were emphatically a part of that. So the Super Bowl... I mean, the 9 defense was pretty good, too. It was good, <laughs> but it wasn't as good as the 2017 defense. Uh and you don't even play defense, so shut up. <laughs> I'm I kidding. was part of that team. It was good. The, Williams, the Williams wall. The Amen. offense was a little better in 09, I think. So, Jared uh, Allen. <laughs> so, and then the Super Bowl, on top of it all, was going to be at U.S. Bank Stadium. So, Anthony, kind of like my first question, um, did it? Did you guys talk about it all the time that we got to go play this damn Super Bowl in our building? We're going to host a home game. And then when it didn't work out because of your new team, um, like, was it especially devastating because we didn't get to play a home Super Bowl? How much was that on your guys' mind before and after the NFC championship? From what I remember, um, I think everyone was so, well, at least my group of friends in the locker room at the time. I don't, I'm not sure what the older veterans um, were talking about, but mm-hmm. uh, we were kind of dialed in just on playing the games. Okay. It it was almost just like one week at a time where I don't think we really we didn't really say take it one week at a time, but I feel like that was everyone's mindset was just one week at a time. Um and I think we were playing with so much energy at the time. It was just so much fun. We were just enjoying the moment. 
Um, I don't think we really talked about um, the opportunity to, you know, play home field for the Super Bowl. I think we might have mentioned it a few times, but I don't think anybody made a big deal about it. Um, It was just one of those things we spoke about it. Talk about how exciting it was. The season was a roller coaster in terms of how we started um, and how things were going, kind of up and down. And then we just we just hit a streak. Um, and I think from once we hit the streak, it was just focusing on you know week in, week out, um, continuing to play at a high level. And before we knew it, um, we were just one game away um, from the opportunity of being able to play in our own stadium. So. Um, I think going into that game, it was just we knew we were a talented team. Um, everyone had pretty much bought in in terms from offense, to defense to special teams guys. Everyone was taking their role extremely serious and just playing with a ton of energy. Um, I just remember, you know, going out there thinking, you know, we're going to go out there. We're going to score. Um, we're going to go out, get a three and out, uh, go out, make them punt the ball get a good return, come down, score again, and that's going to be the end of the game because we're just going to play style defense and control the game from that point. Um, unfortunately, it didn't go that way um, for a second. It looked like it was. And then, you know, t- things took a swing. And from that point on, it was just, you know, a heavyweight fight trying to go blow for blow. And unfortunately, we weren't able to win it. I want to interrupt for just a second to talk about sunglasses. If you can believe that. Yes, sunglasses. Uh, I go through a lot of those out of forgetfulness. I'll lose them or leave them places. Uh, I've got two young children at home, so they break them. They break their own, so on and so forth. Uh, so let's talk about Canon sunglasses. That's K-A-E-N-O-N. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-15, KananCast15, at Kanan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Kanan, clearly better. Okay. I was actually, uh, unfortunately now at this point, I was at that game in Philly. So, um, bad memories of, uh, of Philly wearing purple, um, did not go well. Um, but, uh, so, but uh, yeah, to your point, I remember that first opening drive, the the touchdown it, and then, uh, stopping them, they were driving a little bit, then getting the punt. It was silent in that stadium. And then after the, the pick six from Patrick Robinson, it was deafening and, uh, it was kind of the uphill battle from that point. So I'm sure he felt it on the field, but, uh, um, yeah. So, um, I root, root for your success, but I can't say I root for Eagles success. So I'll be candid with that right now. So you can lead the league with an intercept in my house. <laughs> Is Sandejo still playing there? No, he's in no. the rounds. Yeah, he's on. Oh, nice. yes. Never mind. I knew Kevin Stefanski swiped him up. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, now, you know, you've touched on kind of that 17 season. And then also you alluded a little bit to last year in the difficulty. I didn't even think about the the franchise tag. And if a season didn't come to fruition, like so um, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. But what how do you get yourself right mentally and prepare with everything that's going on in the world, whether it is a social injustice um, causes that are out there and that you're fighting for, but most importantly, with um, what everyone was dealing with as far as COVID, how do you mentally prepare to play for or to play a game? Now, I know it's your job, but how do you get yourself ready physically and mentally for that? Um. I, mean, I would say it's extremely tough. I mean, it's it's not your average year um, 
for anyone, you know, not even in terms of players on the field getting prepared or staff. Um, I think it was a total adjustment from people all around the world, from whether it was dealing with COVID to dealing with social justice um, and just how you moved on your daily day, um, how you prepared um, places that you went, how you spent your day. And I think uh, adding those dynamics, it just took adjustment, adjusting. Some teams were able to overcome it faster than others. Um, and, you know, some teams weren't. So it was just a number of factors that varied between each team, each player, and what each individual was going through. So um, there are people who, you know, may have contracted COVID and had to sit out a week or two or had to sit out a number of days. And there were people who, who didn't have to do those things. So I think just the dynamics between the two um, and getting prepared for a football game I believe it was something that a number of people probably overlooked and thought it was, you know, kind of easy to do. But uh, a large part of the game is, you know, play between, um, you know, your ears, You're just using your brain. So I think in how you handle situations week to week, play to play, but primarily just week to week, having that outlet of whether it was family coming in town to visit um and kind of take your away and that became your escape from football and then you refreshed and got ready for the next week those things weren't available so um each player handled it differently but ultimately every player um handled it the best way that they could brian did you ever have any type of distractions like that like as far as playing the game that um obviously nothing like covid but um where it just completely threw out off your mental state and how you had to get ready for the game um only probably when we had the love boat incident and <laughs> we had to keep hearing about that every time we went to a, um, a visiting team, they would have posters and signs of boats and stuff to say love boat. Other than that. <laughs> Coronavirus sucked on the boat. I, I love it that since I've been on the show, we talk about love boat every week. Yeah, we never, we, we never, so, so we brought you on as a full timer about what, a month and a half ago. And yeah. Brian and I had never much as talked about Love Boat. And then you dropped it on him the first episode. And he's all open about it. Totally cool. So, yeah. It's my claim to fame right there. <laughs> Love Boat. you talk about it, less shame. <laughs> all right, Matt. Your uh, final question, please, for Anthony Harris tonight. <laughs> all right. So, um, I, I got this little uh, group of Vikings fans slash nerds I talk to every day. And we came up with this uh, question together. Um so you have two cats on Instagram that have more followers on just Instagram alone than all of my social media accounts combined. If Cookie and Ella were kidnapped, um, who would you want to go after them? Liam Neeson from Taken, Keanu Reeves from John Wick, or Kiefer Sutherland from 24? <laughs> and why? I think I would probably have to. And, um, you know, let them know that somebody, but then I probably said, uh, just uh, his style. Uh, I think uh, his, his flair with the suits, um, his tactics with the cool wavy hair. I just think it'd be a cool little interest for him to walk in, um, do whatever he has to do to get him back. Um, and bring them home safe. Yeah, I, I think I, I went for uh, you know Keanu um, as well because I he's already he already went after a bunch of guys over one pet. So you send two pets. 
you can put six more movies out on just him going after those cats. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sally, we got two more uh, for Anthony. We'll get him off. Uh, let's see. You want to you want to ask your final question? Yes. Okay, Anthony. So your alma mater, UVA. Oh, uh, won the national championship in U.S. Bank Stadium, where you got to play football every week. Um, what was that like for you? I mean, that moment, like, oh my God, I play football here, and my team is here winning the national championship. It was exciting. Um, you know, Saturdays before we play games, we we keep track of you know what each college team's doing um, in season. So. Same, you know, basketball comes around, people are talking Final Four, who's going to do what, and, you know, I'm calling it, I'm telling people that my who's are going to be playing in U.S. Bank, and it's going to be crazy. No one kind of believes me, but they make the run, they're there, and I'm just excited. Um, I'm getting prepared, I'm getting in my gear, I'm making sure I have tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Carla, she, the, the AD, she made sure I was able to you know, check out the game in person. And it was just exciting. You know, oftentimes mm-hmm. UVA is known for its academics. Um, mm-hmm. The basketball team has been doing really well. Football, not quite as much um, in terms of, you know, where we want to be, but we're trying to progress. So it was just about my team here, and they're going to take it all, and, and I'm about to witness it. So great. Did you have a bunch of friends come up, or how, how did you guys celebrate? I mean, that was great. Um, I think – you know, I had a decent following from college in terms of staying in contact with a number of friends. Mm-hmm. And everyone was months ahead just asking me, hey, the Final <laughs> Four is going to be there. Are you going to be there? And I say, yeah, if we make it, which I'm hoping we are. I'm here. So it was great. I mean, just walking out of my apartment and literally walking two blocks with like 15 friends, walking over the state, just kind of catching up. Um, it was kind of a trip down memory lane from being in college, meeting up with people whether it was after home football games or whether it was after basketball games. It was great. All right, Anthony, the last thing that we have for you, um, I'll preface it by saying, so no matter where you go for the remainder of your career, whether it's you stick, you stay in Philadelphia, you come back to the purple and gold, or you go to the AFC, we hope that you carry on a hatred for the Packers because that should be ingrained in you and it's ingrained in us. So with that said, um, do you have any thoughts on what might happen with this Aaron Rodgers stuff? And B, do you care at all? Uh, I guess it's entertaining. Um, you know, that's part of it. Just everybody knows what's going on, what's going to happen. Um, I don't really keep up with it too much. Um, besides pops across TV every now and then. But I mean, for me, I'm not worried. I'm not focusing on it too much. I'm really. <laughs> Focusing on, you know, working out right now, being, getting ready to go out and, and be the player that I know that I can be, um, and then just going from there. Okay. Well, hey, one last we- thing that I just realized um, that well, you guys have you and Bryant have a common now teammate. Bryant, your former quarterback, when with Baltimore is now oh, yeah. you know, in Philly as, the, as a backup mm-hmm. there. So what are uh, what are some words again? Words of advice, or you know, whether it's pranks to play on them or whatnot. What what can Anthony do to? <laughs> Joe's to, just a cool like Joe's so like cool and laid back. Like you don't really prank Joe or anything. Joe's just cool. <laughs> he just. Move. Chill guy, like it's really <laughs> he's he's easy to get along with too, but he's so laid back. 
All right, Anthony, we thank you for coming on the show. We hope that you'll stay in contact with Bryant and uh, maybe we'll have you back on in the season or next off season. Um, but again, we sincerely appreciate you coming back to talk to those dudes and gals that loved you so much for six years. Yeah. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate the time and I appreciate y'all having me on. All right. Take it easy. Thank um, you. Good nice luck for coming, man. Stay healthy. <laughs> The rest of us, we can talk about the draft for a little bit, um, if that if that's cool. Hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll kind of ad-lib this because we got about 10, 15 minutes. So, Bryant, boom, bada-bing, we got our left tackle. You called it. It happened. Uh, you're going to try to work on getting him on the show. You should be able to pull a huge card of clout that says, look. <laughs> no, I'm going to hit Tom West. Tom West does, like, the PR okay. stuff with him yeah. all time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he might have to be a little bit more uh, scripted than uh, the rest of our guests, but yeah. So what's, what's he feeling right now? Do you think you've been there before? What is Darius? Um, going through his mind? I, I feel like he's just settling in He's right now at this point, just thinking about getting in, learning the plays, um, wondering where he's going to stay, you know, where, where he'll be living and, you know, things like that. But I'm pretty sure he has parents or somebody to come in to help him, you know, find a place to stay. But right now at this point, he's just focusing on, um, getting out there and seeing how well he competes against these, you know, other professionals. Okay. Sally, one of the wanna... things actually like with, to tie Brian into the, with Darius. So a lot of the, like you we're hearing obviously a lot of great things about him and you know, what obviously his build and his ability is uh, athleticism. Mm -hmm. And then one of the things that kind of like I, been hearing a lot about since last week now that he is a viking um mm. a lot of people are comparing him to you in the sense of like and I'm not, I'm not trying to say this in a mean way at all but like it's kind of what's out there where um when you wanted to be you could you were the best left tackle in football but then there were times where it looked like uh maybe not and still better than average but not the dominant mm. type guy and they say what they're saying is that he's kind of has that with it um do you like well one do you pay attention to the, like the things that are being said about you as a player and no you, you know why the, um, they can't really report sometimes when you're if you're injured and you know I've never missed a game due to injury, so they don't really know what you're going through <laughs> right. in these games. So some days I might not look that good because I'm injured. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I la I later on realized what well, learned that actually had played with a broken ankle that they told me the high ankle sprain, and later on they told me it was actually broke. So there was different things that you play with, you go through, you just keep your mouth shut, and you don't want to give your opponents the upper hand. So it's things that people really don't know that you're physically not able to do some things. And then when you're healed, it's like, okay, what well, that all of a sudden is another. So when you look my track record, I've never missed any games for being injured. It's just I just played through stuff. Now I'll say if if we get a guy at 23 that is the next Brian McKinney on this offensive line, oh, I think God, we yeah. did a damn good job. So <laughs> no doubt about it. Sally, I want to ask I want to ask you about the draft because you're probably the most realistic out of the group here. And I think the Thank other, you. yeah, Ron, I can speak for, I don't know Matt quite as well, but I think we will be considered the eternal optimists. Um, certainly not homers, but uh, probably a little bit more optimistic, um, but you keep it real for us. So I want to know what your thoughts were when we traded back and then um, what you thought of the spoils from that trade back. I just want to say what a nice compliment that is to not be called negative. Um, I prefer objective, mm -hmm. but that that's really good. Um, I don't know if we have enough time to analyze my psychological meltdown, but I'll try to make it brief. Um, <laughs> it was <epic>. so, <laughs> um, I never considered that the Vikings probably would get fields. Um, I thought they'd either, you know, get one of the offensive tackles that we've talked about multiple times, um, or they would trade back. That's what I was mentally prepared for. And then I start seeing the board and I'm like, okay, Philadelphia, New York, 
Dallas, Chargers. None of those need a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And my mind, like, opened. And for the first time in a few years, I felt a little hope. (laughs) I felt like the clouds parted and the sun was coming through. And I thought, oh, my God. Like, my apathy is gone. I I can't believe it. And so for about probably three minutes, that would be the maximum, um, I felt alive again. And then um, the alert came through on the TV that the Bears traded up and I wanted to jump off the roof because I let myself feel again. So that's where I'm at. (laughs) Um, The next day I was still depressed and now I'm good. Now I'm good. I think uh, it should be said that the Bears ruined your uh, fantasy there because it sounds like the Vikings were going to make your dream come true. Um, No, no, no. No, don't blame the Bears. Blame the Eagles for ruining my fantasy for the like tenth time. Well, then we should uh, we should call Anthony back and tell (laughs) tell him that because he's now a direct representative. Uh, Yeah, and uh, we don't have probably have time to get into all that, but that confuses me. You know, if you if you have your guy in a QB, go up and get him. Don't then get one in the second round. You well, know? I think I and, think what they showed or third round, excuse me. With, I think well, he he ended up being the uh, you know the next guy off the board after right. the flurry. So I think the strategy was to get the best quarterback when we are reasonably going to take one. And at fourteen, that would have been Fields. Uh, he wasn't going to trade the farm. And then there was nobody hot and sexy to trade back into the second round because you probably would have been trading in to get Mond. And then uh, I, at least I think that's the mindset. I think what we can take away from it is that Kirk Cousins has a one or two year window grace period now. And uh, we didn't know that a week ago. We thought maybe there would be that. But now we know for sure that uh, unless he takes the team into deep January, that it'll probably be the Mondera in a year or two. Matt, what were your thoughts on the first round of the draft? Uh, well, first off, I'll just say, you know, because I got Sally all flustered last week, um, I'll just go ahead and own my brief freak out that I had draft night. You know, I'm sitting in bed watching draft away, and okay, we're coming up, we're coming up, our picks are coming. And then, you know, we traded to the Jets, and I was like, you know, immediately, you know, heart rate goes up and just like, what are we doing? You know, what did we get for it? And then, you know, they say, you know, third and and no seconds. And I, for about five minutes, lost my mind. And I was, I should have known better because only five. Because y'all were having a meltdown for like a solid hour. Oh, no, no, not even. I didn't get to see any of this. But everyone else I know was having a real meltdown, and there's just no consistency. I just can't take it. But continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, You know, I calmed down, and I looked at it, and I said, we got four third-round draft picks now. So we're going to move up in a second, or we're going to take the best player available in a second. Um, So when um, we got – Darisaw, I was happy with that um, because, you know, I, I saw that the pure left tackle, you know, I was extremely happy for that. Um, and it, it got my mind thinking, you know, are we going to put Ezra in, in the left guard spot and now the right guard um, position is up for grabs or is it Wyatt Davis's 
you know, position to lose, or are they going to kind of play him safe? Like, I know he's a third rounder, so we don't want to get our hopes up too high, but you know, there's a lot of good talk about him and I, you know, I'm for it, you know? So I, I would love to see him day one there, but I could definitely see the team kind of, you know, let's pump the brakes a little bit and let's get up, you know, we'll get him some reps, we'll build him up, we'll get him in. Or do they just say, screw it, let's start him up. Yeah, usually, so that mentality is very Zimmerian to, you know, we even saw it with Jefferson, don't throw him to the Wolves. So I can see where that would be a concern, but usually guards are ready to go, especially one that was who's seen the bright lights like Wyatt David has. So I fully expect him to start. So now on that trade back, I was in the sea of people that you saw on TV in Cleveland on draft night with all of uh, like pumpkin head was one of the Browns mascots and they had macho man walked right past me and all of that. But I didn't have any damn cell service. So when these trades were coming in, it, it felt like it was 2007. You're in a crowd of people and your cell phone didn't work. And um, so I didn't know. All I saw was with the Bears had traded up, everybody knew what was going to happen. But I, could, I couldn't tell what the details on the Vikings deal were until quite, quite a while afterward. Um, but well, they I, took a long time to tell us, too. Yeah, yeah. It probably took 15 or 20 minutes to yeah. come out. So... <laughs> So I'm I'm probably I'm going to go on a limb here and say that I felt the same way as Ron that all we just slid down nine spots and we're going to end up getting one of those edge rushers which would be because I didn't think Darasaw would be there so I thought it would be Pay Phillips or Rousseau and boom when Darasaw was there uh, I think the rest of the the crowd realized that hey this could be brilliant and then it just got better and better when they were the team that got mond after mock draft season when everybody got mond and then uh i would have been very pissed if they didn't select wyatt davis when he was there at that spot because it felt so obvious uh so i'm I'm glad we had it all there all right so sally can you uh tease the uh guest for next week please Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Next week, we're going to have my buddy Jordan Reed. Um, he is probably like one of the best uh, or I would say most well-known uh, draft guys on Twitter. Um, he used to play uh, college football. He's a quarterback. Um, he's done a lot of scouting. He's on PA a lot, which, like I said last week, I wish he would stop going on so we could get some some secrets. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I just love him. He and I have been Twitter friends for like 12 years, and it's so cool to see his career, how it's blossomed from just being a hobby to how he makes a living now. And um, he is also so helpful to people who want to get in the scouting business and giving them tips and, and helping people out in his free time. So he's just a great guy and he will definitely have opinions on the draft. And he is a Vikings fan, correct? He is. He is a Vikings fan, but he lives um, in Maryland, I believe. Through and through or just sort of likes them. Oh no. That's so when we started out on Twitter, how he and I became friends was because he was just a Vikings fan. Okay. And then he just started doing all of these things and, I mean, so that's, I've known him since he was like, since no one knew who he was. And he, and now, I don't know, year after year after year, he just gets so much better and more recognition and he should, cause he does a great job. Oh yeah. I, I've uh, read some of his stuff since I got involved in the Twitter stuff and yeah, he's a damn good writer on top of it all in terms of, uh, I mean, aside from his talent in doing the scouting, communicating and convincing me of his thoughts is, uh, you know, why I'm drawn to him. So, all right. The last mm-hmm. thing I want to do before we close out tonight is get everybody's a prediction on how this Aaron Rodgers things ends up um, on draft day of all days. 
Uh, the news cycle was seized by the fact that Rodgers was not happy in Green Bay. I loved it. I'll continue to love it. I hope that it drags on all summer because it's just music to my ears. Uh, so I want to know from the all of you, what is your prediction? Uh, Bryant, do you think he remains with the Packers? Do you think that he just sits out and doesn't play anymore? Or do you think he's traded? I think he may be traded. I think he definitely wants out. He's made it very known he wants out. And I'm not sure if the team, you know, really wants to keep somebody who doesn't want to play for them, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I know he's felt the way probably for a long time, even back when Brett Favre was there. Um, mm -hmm. I just feel like he really hasn't been appreciated. Um, yeah. Even though I know the fans may like him, I think by the organization, he doesn't really feel appreciated too much. So he's ready to just kind of get a clean slate and start somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think that if this – ends messily and nasty as we all hope it does. I think the Packers and their entire state need to do some soul searching as do we really want to keep doing this to these Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Hopefully they don't have one um, for a long time because they don't deserve one. They've had 30 years of supremacy at that spot, so they're due for at least a handful of years of mediocrity. Uh, so, Ron, um, so Paul Allen broke the news, so to speak. He said that a source told him, um, you know, that this was going down, that he wasn't happy. And through some investigation, you and I know now know who that source is. Um, but I want to know your opinion. Um, where do you think he ends up, if anywhere? So, I mean... <laughs> I don't know if they can trade him like in the sense that what will that do? Like, I mean, uh, um, no, it's, I don't know how, like they have to fire Gutekunst. That's the only thing that I think would be, um, would be salvageable, but I think it's even beyond that. So I think everything is burned. Like even Devonte Adams is tweeting or Instagram, a photo of a goat on an edge, like, or on a ledge. So clearly he, like everyone sees the writing on the walls. It's not very well hidden. And if he was telling free agents that he's not like all the news that's coming out is just as Vikings fans, it's music to our ears. It's he doesn't want to be here. He hates it here. Um, telling free agents to not come and, you know, just essentially putting the torpedo to it. But it, as much as I dislike the guy, he, it's not much, or I, you, you can understand why, like they haven't gotten them weapons. They've done a terrible job at managing the team around him. Like I get it. it the only reason they're Super Bowl contenders every year is because of him. Like mm -hmm. you take him off of it and they're the worst team in the league every year. Just mm -hmm. probably what it would be. So um, how they can, yeah, well, like they did with Favre um, and, you know, Favre left and, you know, had that chip on his shoulder. Rogers it definitely seems like that type of guy that he's going to have that chip on his shoulder no matter what, whether he's there or whether he's not. He's going to, if they go, go to kick a field goal again to, to make it a one score game, he's going to be like, screw it. I'm going to put the offense on the field. We're going to do something. So um, mm -hmm. I think it's great. I love it. Um, but uh, as far as destinations, um, you know, obviously, like the Niners are, even though, yes, they drafted field or uh, sorry, they drafted Lance. Um, that's always going to be like, you know, Kyle Shanahan hates Garoppolo, it seems. Um, and if he has a chance to get Rodgers, that's obviously a good one. Denver didn't really address the quarterback situation in the draft. I know they traded for Teddy, but, you know, he's they, there's a good spot there or even Washington. So um, I don't know what. Uh, what it would look like, but uh, it's almost now it's at the worst possible time for the Packers to get anything of value. Cause it's like, yeah. what are you going to do? You drafted your player. So, um, you yeah, know, they, they, have to, they can't get their third round corner in the first again. So no, they'd have to just say, we prepared for this and we have Jordan love and hope <laughs> that he's good. Matt, where does Rogers play in 2021? If anywhere? Well, I can tell you, he's not going to be playing in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> You know, I've seen some completely ridiculous takes of people saying, oh, they'd love to have Rodgers here. And 
you know, I felt a certain way about, you know, growing up watching Brett Favre and hating him as a young Vikings fan and then having him come to the Vikings as, uh, you know, as I was growing up. I felt super weird about it, but I can't say I would feel the same way in a good way if something happened with Rogers going to Minnesota. You know, um, I think the whole thing is going to end up like a messy, messy divorce. Um, and if they begrudgingly, you know, let him go or trade him or, you know, there's going to be some sort of, I, I don't know how like releases or trades work, but, you know, like you can't play for these teams. You can't go to Minnesota. You can't go in the division. You can't go to these top NFC teams because yeah. the last thing they want is like a repeat of Farbo nine, you know, coming back and just burning them, you know, in their own, uh, you know, you know, on TV, national TV every week, just, you know, destroying them and being super happy about it. Um, so they definitely will not let that happen. Ron said that, you know, I saw, you know, Detroit, um, Denver did not take a quarterback and yes, they did, you know, get Teddy, but I think if they were given a chance to get, you know, to get Rogers, they would be all in on that with as many chips as they could. Oh yeah. Um, and their, their, their roster is so balanced as it is. Um, the only, they'd question, be dumb not to. yeah, if you comb through that roster, just for fascination's sake, the only thing that they have a question mark is drew lock and drew lock will be in his third year. So it's really unfair just to say, well, he wasn't very good. So we're going to get re- be done with him. But if it's for Rogers for two or three years, they'd be doing Peyton Manning all over again. And mm-hmm. that, that worked out well, even though he didn't have much to do with it towards the end in that Super Bowl win. But anyhow, Sally, last word from you tonight on Believe in Vikings. Uh, what about Rogers? Where does he play, if anywhere? So correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the rumors that came out from some pretty pretty credible ESPN guys were that they did not take San Francisco's call or Denver's call within the last day or so, Um, which is interesting because like you got, they should have taken care of this before the draft if they were going to take care of it, period, I feel. So um, if I had to guess, I think he's going to end up holding out in camp at this point. Um, there's going to be a lot of drama and he's probably going to force their hand just because they're either sick of dealing sick of the media circus and they're not going to get any play out of him. I really believe that he will not play for them. Um, so as far as where he ends up, they already said no division. So I, I, I honestly don't know. He could end up anywhere. I think whoever's going to make them the best offer for the future. Um, but again, to go with Ron said, I totally understand why he doesn't want to be there. He probably should have left. A, he shouldn't have signed that last extension because the writing was on the wall that they did not appreciate him. And I, I, my personal favorite pastime is every time the Packers lose, I listen to Green Bay radio and the callers. <laughs> and um, I rarely see, hear a caller say anything nice about him. And I know that's in the heat of the moment, kind of like a Vikings Twitter meltdown. And the next day, everyone loves everything again. Um, but they say some pretty bad things about him. And so I don't really think all of Wisconsin wants him to stay. I think a lot of people are over it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know where he'll end up, but I think it'll go all the way to camp that he won't be traded. One of my favorite tweets was, uh, I don't even know where it came from, but it was the guy said, uh, it was in quotes, um, green Bay is just like family to me. Like, and then Aaron Rodgers, um, just, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I thought that was great. That is pretty great. I mean, he does deserve better as much as I hate him. He deserves better. As a player for sure. As a player for sure. 
All right. Well, that's all we have. We've hit the uh, 60 minute mark. Um, again, shout out to Anthony Harris for joining us. Our first current player guest. And we've been doing this show, BMAC and I, since August. So we'll keep doing those. That was uh, a super interesting perspective. Well, there was Adrian. You oh, yeah. Adrian yeah, that's that. right. Oh, shoot. Correct. Yeah, I got it. I feel like a dumbass. <laughs> the disrespect. Yeah. yeah, that one's horrible considering how much I love that man. Okay. I wasn't here for that, so it didn't count. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my cover. All right, so we'll be back next week, one week from tonight with Jordan Reed. No, Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, it's a Tuesday. All right, we'll yeah. be back in six days, and I'm glad you said that. Uh, Bryant, we're on Tuesday next week. Is that cool? Okay, that's fine. All right, that's all we got. Skull Vikings. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.